Welcome to the DevReady Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Uh, today, we're joined by Natalie Tucker. Uh, she is from eBotly, uh, which is a startup all around her passion, really, which is all around wine uh, and the passion of bringing technology and wine together and helping winers really um, digitize some of their processes. I'll let Natalie share about a bit about herself. Natalie, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me uh, today. So... <laughs> Yes, um, I have a startup named eBotly, and we help wineries to digitalize their businesses, especially during their processes, to have less uh, paper tasks, but uh, to have the data uh, that they can cross, compare, and uh, be more efficient in their production. In terms of your, I'd like to always know a little bit about how you got here, um, because we don't generally start up in a startup. We may have a different type of background. Just tell us a little bit about your background and then the story up to starting eBotly. Yeah, sure. So I moved uh, three years ago in Australia with my husband and my uh, three children. So my background is in research. Uh, I worked uh, 15 years uh, in different uh, public and private institutes. And last, the last one was uh, Nestle Skin Health. And uh, my husband uh, worked in IoT, uh, especially for the trustability of luxury brands like Porsche or Ferrari. So we okay. crossed our two skills to create eBotly uh, to help for the trustability uh, during the supply chain. Uh, it's why um, uh, it's more passion behind uh, to put in the foot of uh, growers and winemakers, understand their pains, their challenges, and help them to move into uh, the new uh, innovation world with uh, more IT stuff. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So your your husband um, is more technical, and then yourself more from a research sort of background. Um, in terms of the business itself. Can you dive in a little bit about what eBotly does? Obviously, from a digitization perspective, what IoT is a part of this. So what does that mean in a business like this and what value does it deliver to your customers? Yes, so we we propose different range like a QR code, but it's Mm -hmm. more depending on the the profile of the winery. So it could be also um, uh, NFC, RFID, Mm -hmm. or geo-trackers. So for example, um, uh, the the QR code, it's at the beginning uh, for the trustability of the beans, when you put the grapes inside the beans to be sure that you have all the information accessible in real time. But it could be some geo-trackers, for example, to geolocate in real time by satellite all your containers on the boat, for example, or all your uh, truck shipment. Uh, and we use uh, RFID, it's more for the inventory because you can scan 10 meters around with a scanner, uh, your uh, barrels, for example, or your pallets or items. Uh, so it's where we can help them to just uh, push them with new uh, technologies, implement them and uh, uh, simplify uh, their, their journey. Yeah. So it's more about just the traceability inside the winery and the supply chain. Exactly. Yes, to it's to connect all these actors in the supply chain that is uh, disrupted actually to be more sustainable also because uh, there is a lot of waste because of this disconnection. So if you have access in real time to all this information, uh, it's more powerful. Now, blockchain, how does that come into this? Because um, I'm imagining there might be a little bit of this from a traceability perspective and also understanding the um, location of the, 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 the actual grapes and how that sort of comes through. Is that a part of this process? 
Yes, because it's not only to acquire uh, data, it's also uh, to secure this data because otherwise you can change this data and uh, there, if there is no uh, secure place uh, to store them, uh, it's not uh, enough readable and you can have after counterfeiting, for example. So if you put some blockchain, uh, you can uh, optimize that and uh, you can put also uh, artificial intelligence to be sure that you compare uh, the data together and um, help for the efficiency and uh, to help for the production perspective, to do prediction, for example. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, to implement the new uh, tools accessible on the market and uh, mm -hmm. let them accessible uh, for farmers, for producers, so people that don't know that they exist and mm -hmm. they can um, uh, move to this uh, new uh, digitiz digitalization. So that would be like an example is um, recording what barrel type and what grape variety is in a specific barrel and how long it's been, the barrel is a, the age of the barrel plus how long it's been aging for. So then no one can modify that and then you produce a bad product potentially as well. Exactly, because for example, the, the barrel lifetime is uh, six years in, in an average, but they don't know what they put before. And uh, for example, they reuse the barrel for spirits, but mm -hmm. they don't know what happened before for, for this uh, lifetime of barrels. And they can also compare the data if, for example, they have a batch of uh, five barrels and they would like to know why it's better than last year or uh, previous years. So uh, they can understand better what happened in terms of like uh, um, chemistry also yep. uh, to to be uh, I think uh, uh, more um, relevant for premium wines for example. Okay, yes, it just allows them the like more accountability as to what that product is, and it's no chance for it to have changed. Exactly. A normal system where someone can go in and modify the details potentially, and then it can throw your whole operation. Exactly. Wrong. Okay, that's a good use case for for that specifically. Yeah. In terms of your passion about wine, um, tell us a bit about that. Obviously, from France, um, moved to Australia recently. Where did the background and passion for wine come from? Because you moved from research into, obviously, wine, working at Nestle's and food and different sort of areas. But, um, yeah, love to understand that passion because when we jump into business, it's important that we do have a passion and we're looking to solve problems that we see in an industry. Um, how did that come about for you? Yes, it's a good question. Yeah. Yes, so I have family in Burgundy and they produce a small batch of Chablis and Pinot Noir. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's why um, it's a passion that uh, in France I had uh, uh, from a lot of uh, <laughs> a long time ago. And uh, when I moved to Sydney first, I did a WSET, uh, like a sommelier uh, diploma. Uh, and it's, yes, it's a real passion and where I can uh, bring some added value because I understand um, mm -hmm. the people I, I uh, told, I, I, am dis I am in discussion. So because uh, I can put in their feet and understand mm -hmm. uh, why uh, they do in this way, uh, why uh, they, uh, how they proceed uh, in terms of winemaking, uh, mm -hmm. each step of the supply chain. So yes, it, it's it comes from definitely from my passion in the wine yeah. industry. I know you mentioned offline that the wine industry in France is a bit more old-fashioned and traditional in the way they operate. And is that the reason you left France and brought to the Australian market? Is it because sort of those old organizations are stuck in their ways and don't really want to look at change or technology? Exactly, yes. In, in France, it's very traditional and hierarchy. So when you would like to meet the good person uh, to propose some innovative solution, 
it's a very long process and uh, you have to change the mind of people as an early adopter. Uh, when I came in Australia, I can see that it's easier. Uh, you can connect quickly uh, to the good person and you can uh, try new ideas, see if there is a market, an opportunity. Uh, play with that, uh, readjust your business. And um, especially, for example, with the China crisis, uh, we can see that uh, there is uh, flexibility here. Mm -hmm. We can uh, propose, uh, change your business model uh, quickly. It's where I think it's a very good country uh, to try ideas, to, to see how it works, and after to expand internationally uh, in the second step. Are you finding more adoption in the new, say, micro wineries or in the more traditional established brands? Uh, I can see that, um, yes, in it's harder in the established um, uh, brands. I think it's uh, easier with small brands uh, and effectively uh, 90% of uh, wineries are small, uh, so it's the majority. And mm -hmm. it's uh, good to to help them because they are open mind. And they are looking after uh, uh, some ideas for the future. Uh, so, yes, I agree that it's uh, easier with small brands, I think. Yeah, they're probably more oh, – just sorry, just say – they're probably, as a starting up a winery, the probably the only thing you're thinking about is what variety of grapes you're going to use, what, how long you're going to age your barrels for, and maybe keep them rather than what's the inventory management platform going to be like and how am mm -hmm. I going to maintain these barrels over a longer period of time and understand what's in there and when I should uh, yeah. bottle them. And because they are new um, on the market, to use a mobile phone, it's, uh, it's something that is uh, very um, easy uh, to do. Rather than the big brands, I think... Um, uh, they already have their proper software, like internal uh, software with uh, the IT staff. Uh, so even if uh, you can bring some innovation, it's, uh, I think, uh, longer and uh, more complicated. Yeah, It's always the way when you're looking at the corporate infrastructure, they generally have all most of the things tied up. Doesn't mean they're doing everything perfectly, but they've got people covering all bases. But um, like you said, a lot of wineries across Australia are not quite large and you yeah, through the Yarra Valleys and you'll find these little wineries everywhere. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, they're mostly the founders and the people running these places, are passion people, they love wine and that's generally where they sort of sit. Um, and then when they get bigger, they might be investors in these and et cetera. But um, I, I get the understanding of, yeah, most of them are small, which is good for you because if it's 90%, it's, it's a market so you can sort of tap into. Yeah. Yes, uh, if I, I can complete, uh, it, it's also because, uh, for example, uh, I am in La French Tech Australia, where I am uh, the president, to do this link between France and Australia, mm -hmm. between okay. startups, innovators, mm -hmm. but also mm -hmm. um, big companies, because uh, I think it's interesting to propose to uh, big brands, uh, some startups who uh, are, I think, more dynamic and uh, quickly mm -hmm. uh, uh, in the innovation. Uh, so it's where we try to push a startup uh, to collaborate uh, with big brands uh, in new uh, solutions. Uh, and uh, they are looking more, more uh, after startup to try new things, to do the proof of concept. So it's something that uh, I am implicated to because uh, I believe that um, even if it's difficult uh, to uh, put uh, in touch all this um, collaboration, uh, I think there is also uh, some good ideas uh, to to do. Definitely, yeah. So in terms of um, the difficulty is more the 
the decision-making education process. That's what I found in the corporate environment or the bigger environments. It's just it's just a longer pattern. So one of the models that seems to be working for you is working with the smaller groups, building the technology, and then communicating that up to some of the bigger chains because that's – I've found startups in the past we've worked with that just want to go directly to corporate and sell to corporate, and they wonder why they haven't sold a product in 12 months or got any traction. It's because the corporate wants to see some traction or get some concept of how this is operating, and they're not able to show it. So um, there's a bit of learning about playing both camps. If you want to be in a corporate environment, you still need some smaller businesses to work with and trial some tech at the same time. Otherwise, it can be very slow uh, to move. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of building this technology stack and how it all started, I'm imagining your husband drove a lot of this, but um what's that experience been like? You mentioned a few times that you've actually worked with um some of your customers to evolve the products and pivot even. You you mentioned not in that terms, but pivot where you were going and how you bring this together. What has that been like for you to experience the start of the, the business where it stood as to the evolution of it over the past two, two and a half years? Yeah, um, I think, uh, yes, it's very important to, to do this proof of concept with uh, real data where you can uh, develop the solution, optimize it, uh, because uh, the, the first solution is not uh, the, the, the best one. So you need to connect between technology and uh, the real world uh, to be sure that it fits um, with uh, the users. So it's why um, I think uh, it was interesting to do this link because uh, my husband is more uh, behind his computer. And uh, I think it, sometimes it's good also <laughs> to to be um, in the real world with the real uh, technical uh, world they use and uh, not to be far away uh, because uh, it's what I uh, saw a lot. It's this disconnection uh, between a startup and uh, ideas. And um, after when, uh, for example, the, the owners of uh, one who is use uh, your software uh, sometimes he, he, for them it's uh, it's not um, intuitive uh, it, there is no big button for example the the majority have uh, around 50 years old so they need something very simple and uh, they are not very familiar with uh, I, the IT staff so uh, you need to simplify as much as possible so it's when uh, you test it in real life that uh, you have uh, I think uh, good feedbacks and you can understand better uh, what are the real challenges uh, in, <laughs> in fact yeah. Sometimes you don't know those challenges until you get into the hands of some users. And um, yes, you, even when you're designing with users, sometimes you don't really get that until you get that tangible interaction because you can find that, yes, you might be engaging in potential customers and helping them work with you to design the product and the solution, but until they physically start using it, it's a, it's all um, it's very different. Once you get a physical device in the hands, okay, you got a mobile phone now. Let's start scanning QR codes, NFC. What does that mean? What does that mean to their day to day? So, and then how do you streamline that? So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you developed yeah. the concept as your like proof of concept, was that did you develop that and then approach your first customers, or were you working on that with your first customers to develop what something that they needed? Uh, so yes, we developed it for a uh, customer they, they needed because uh, they, it was a painful uh, pain point. Sorry, and uh, it's where we we had uh, a lot of discussion to be sure that uh, we were in the good direction. 
uh, and they answer uh, to a real question rather than just uh, to have another software on the market. It's where we try to connect other uh, tools they already have to have only one interface and not to to just um, uh, go on where we would like to go, but without listening our uh, customers because uh, otherwise uh, um, it doesn't work. <laughs> so because uh, you need also to, to know if people are ready to pay for your solution because uh, sometimes it solves a problem, but they don't want to pay for it. Uh, so it's also uh, something that uh, you need to, to be uh, aware about. Yeah, it has to be a problem worth solving for them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And something that uh, you don't uh, add another step in their journey that no. is complicated. You want to be taking steps away, ideally, and <laughs> make things easier, not more complicated. So um, yeah, that's really important to think about. So in terms of... Um, the journey, where are you going? What's the vision for ePotly? What's the plan for long-term? What do you imagine yourself being in five years' time? Um, yes, so that the idea, uh, yeah, the vision is to, to do in the wine industry, but it could be applicable in the food industry and in the chemical product because, for example, uh, uh, the traceability in chemical product is very important because you have some drugs that people manipulate with, so sometimes they disappear. Uh, so it's important to have traceability. So it's our vision it's to do also with other products that need this uh, traceability. Mm -hmm. And uh, to do this link with friends also, so to go to Europe, uh, that is our uh, goal. So get over to Europe. Um, Would you try to go back into the wine industry in France once it's established here and yes, help them? exactly, because I have this uh, bridge between the two countries. And um, yes, it could be um, very exciting exciting to, to do, yeah. In terms of um, across the last couple of years, what's been some of the major challenges for you to build the product for the customers and actually make sure you stay on track? Because as a startup, we only got limited budgets generally. Um, you've got, you may have got funding. I'm not quite sure. Um, how did you approach that whole process and then any sort of challenges that came across the journey? I think the big challenge is to change your habits. And I am the first one uh, when you have to change your habits and uh, um, it's not uh, easy to do. So it's just to convey people that it will save time, uh, mm -hmm. even if uh, they have uh, two hours per day uh, to manage everything. They don't mm -hmm. want to change it. When you prove that uh, it will be solved with uh, ten minutes rather than two hours, mm -hmm. um, they have to. It's a long process. They are in in their mind. They have to. To, to be sure that uh, it's the good direction. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think uh, with the challenge, this challenge, you need to, to do some demo to come to them. And uh, it's where uh, for the moment we, we have a lot of time to see our customers, meet them in person, not by Zoom, and mm -hmm. to go door by door because um, we need this uh, connection, like physical connection, uh, to, 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 to prove them that uh, it, it will uh, help them. <laughs> Mm -hmm. It's a bit of showcasing too because you've got tangible interaction with NFC, uh, um, the RFID tags, etc. So showing that is tangible. It's not just a piece of software, which is a SaaS software that they can demo online. Um, and I think understanding that is important. It's an education piece. It's like anything new. If you're evolving the way people have done things in the past to something new, there's a generally a lot of education that needs to be put into that as to why you're doing it, what the what the output is for them, what the saving is to them from a cost perspective, from a time perspective is probably more important 
for these smaller groups because it's all about time in the end. But yeah, that education piece is always a stumbling block, especially if you're trying to do something really new and no one's really done anything like that before in their own world. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, sure. Very good. In terms of um, your husband's, um, what's the team look like? Is it just him developing? Does he have a bit of a team behind him? What does the eBotly group look like? So we have we love the collaborative way where we mix uh, the skills uh, with IT, with marketing, with accounting, and um, we like to come uh, the morning and say, okay, the challenge of the of this day is that, and uh, people can share ideas together and not to stay uh, focused only with IT uh, staff uh, because uh, it's important that uh, this connection exists. Where uh, uh, during, at, uh, for example, at the end of the week we have a sprint review and everybody can see what the other does do so i think it's good uh, rather than to stay only in your uh, skills uh, you have a better understanding about the business the strategy uh, you are implicated uh, also uh, in some brainstormings so it's where we we try uh, to to do as much as possible some interaction between the different teams uh, because uh, i believe that uh, there is added value uh, for everybody that makes a lot of sense because um, I feel like when you're building a, a, a business, uh, there's about 10, 15 of you, correct, in this business? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, Everyone being on the same page is important. So, yes, you might have a lot of tech-heavy um, sort of team delivering the, the technology, but if they're not adver- clear on where the business is going or the direction of the customer or the long-term future, then the product design and development could be lingering. Um, so it's important to make sure you're in the same page. It's a good initiative that you've got where everyone gets involved in a bit of everything. Yeah. If you want to do to market something in terms of marketing, you need mm-hmm. to understand better the, the products and to mm-hmm. to interact with the IT uh, uh, people, understand their challenges also. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. How have you gone about building your team? Has it just been um, the two of you started, I imagine, in yourself, your husband? Have you raised any capital for the business? How have you gone about that approach? Yes, yeah, so we raised uh, two times capitals and uh, we are looking after the, the next round. Uh, so we, uh, for the moment, it's more talents. So, mm-hmm. for example, we have interns and they have master degrees, for example, and we keep them after the internship uh, because uh, they they are they have good skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we believe uh, with education, and uh, we also uh, bring them some uh, good uh, experience in terms of, uh, for example, in the IT staff to bring yes. some new uh, skills, uh, good overview on, on different tools they can use. So um, we also have some uh, recommendation from people. Uh, so we try we try to keep people on board as much as possible because uh, uh, it's more a long term relationship. Uh, mm. Makes a lot of sense. In terms of your um, capital raising, how did you find that process? And in Australia, some people might find it a little bit challenging with the smaller market um, in terms of where to raise and how to do that. What, how did you go about that process to share people and give people some context on what they might be able to do? So the first one was uh, with an accelerator program. I think it's a good starting point when you start because uh, it will uh, do the good connection with with new investors, but also to prepare your pitch to optimize it. Because at the beginning, when you start, uh, you are not. Fa- um, for me, I was not familiar with every. Um, 
um, every area of the startup in terms of finance, marketing, HR. So I think the accelerator can bring you uh, some uh, good overview of uh, and good skills uh, to, to, to do that. So it's a good entry point also. Uh, and after the, the next round, uh, it was more relationship. I think you need to to after develop a good relationship. And I think in Australia, you are lucky with LinkedIn. It works very well. So you can find uh, with LinkedIn good uh, partnership, good investors or uh, good uh, customers also. Uh, people answer to your message. So if you do uh, something uh, that is powerful in terms of your message, uh, you can have good uh, uh, feedback or return of investment for that. So you, you need to nutrish your relationship uh, because um, nobody will do for you. So you, you need to be implicated as a founder uh, in this uh, process. Uh, and I think um, after it's more, um, uh, yes, I think it's more uh, relationships. I think. It seems like um, everything in business is relationships. And uh, yeah, it's important that. Yes, if you are looking for investors, it's all about building relationships and maybe starting that early, even before you're ready for investment, um, is just starting to build those relationships and just put your little uh, flag out there and just tell people what you're up to and just get to know people in the industry because, yes, it's a small knit industry, but there are people out there and I think LinkedIn's a good tip for people that are looking to build a network um, and don't think of it as just a business exercise but an investment exercise, a partnership exercise. Everything can be done and found on LinkedIn um, if you're willing to spend quite a bit of time on there and um, dig in, get to yeah. know people and um, be prepared to meet face-to-face. A lot of online stuff has been going on these days and that's how we met, obviously, to come on the DevReady podcast, just some communications uh, through LinkedIn and then um, we have a conversation around your product, your business and where you're taking it. So there is plenty of opportunity if you're willing and people are willing to share and communicate. There's a lot of them out there. Yeah, next I agree. There is also some uh, startup hub. For example, I am based yeah. in uh, Stone and Shalk. You have also in Melbourne uh, Stone and Shalk uh, startup yes. hub. And I I'm think it's good yeah. also entry point uh, to connect uh, to investors, to, to also develop your networking. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah no, brilliant. Um, in terms of, Natalie, this has been um, brilliant. If people want to find out more about EatBotly and your, your products and your services, where they, where can they find you? Uh, yes, we have our, our website. It's uh, www.ebotly.com or ebotly.com.au. It's the same uh, address. So yes, more than welcome to <laughs> to have you. You can book uh, like a, a meeting with me if you want. And you can send me an email. Uh, more than pleasure to, to connect. No, thank you. Appreciate your time coming on the DevReady podcast, sharing your journey to date. And um, we'll check in in a few years and see how everything's going because it sounds like um, you're in a nice little pocket in terms of what you're doing, very niche. And it's something that um, I really enjoy when people are, are niched in an area. Some people can spread themselves too thin, uh, being niche in a market. And would you say most of your customers are in Adelaide right now? Have you ventured out into other states? Or is it just in Adelaide at the moment? Uh, for the moment, we focus on uh, South Australia, yeah, sure, yes, sure, because uh, mm-hmm. we we meet them physically, and uh, with the COVID nineteen, it was yes. not possible to to travel. But mm-hmm. we hope uh, next year to maybe have a, uh, the opportunity to to travel again. Yeah, no, we all yeah, do. For sure. <laughs> the borders opened up today, so hopefully that happens. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, thanks yeah. again. Thanks for coming on and sharing your journey today. And we look forward to hearing from you in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Natalie. you so much. Yeah. Thank you very much.